So praise God, you know, as I was preparing um, for this message today, I, I began to think of some words um, that we really probably don't adhere to too much today in our society as we did maybe in times past. And there are such words as allegiance, loyalty, honor, valor, constancy, steadfastness, dedication, determination, perseverance, and endurance. You know, in a, in a world where everyone wants everything now, those words can really seem foreign to us, or they can seem outdated. Um, when we live in a, in a society that really everybody wants everything now, like I want immediate gratification now, and, and you know, look at young people, and, you know, they, they want now in their life things that, that pa- their parents took them years to get, maybe decades. You know, they like, they want, they want immediate, you know, they want all those things now, and when we think of those those words there, they almost seem like they're foreign to us. And um, but the world we live in wants instant gratification. Um, they want loyalty on 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 their terms. You know, and I think about this, and I know things have changed a lot in the landscape of working and stuff and all. But but even when I was working, and then of course, and my father, when, when he was working, the place that he worked at was probably the only place he was ever employed at. I mean, it was 20, 30, 35, 40 years worked at one place and they retired from that place. And now it's like, you know, I know that the industry and businesses have changed, but it just seems like that sense of loyalty and dedication to one thing has, has we've really lost that. And um, constancy and steadfastness is difficult to locate. You know, our world that we live in is filled with choices. You know, there's so many choices that we have today. And I think about this all the time, you know, when, when, when I'm going to purchase something or look for something that you want to make a decision on, all these different decisions that you're given to make, and you know, one of them is paint colors. If you if you've ever decided to paint a room in your house or paint your house, you know, go to Sherwin Williams or go to Lowe's or Home Depot and go look at all the charts and the different um, color colors that they have, and you drive yourself nuts. I mean, I, it would almost be better if they didn't have as many. It would be a lot easier for me to make my decision. But you know, I'm walking there thinking, well, this is what I think I might like, but then when I see all this, I was like, you know, I might like that one better. And it's like all of these different, all these, all these choices. And then, of course, all the different cars and trucks that we, we get to pick from, the makes and the models, and all the different colors and, and, and the ways you can get them built and made and all that kind of stuff. And then ice cream and snowball flavors. I mean, it's just all these different choices that, that you have with that appliances and electronics. I mean, it's, you know, it used to be there was just one refrigerator, one washing machine, and one dryer, and you were happy with the one that you got. Now it's like there's all these different models and types and styles and all these different things. And then, of course, unfortunately, we live in a society right now where gender identity um, is, 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 our gender has become, has become a choice. And the LGBTQ um, community is basically telling us whatever you want to be, you are. And the government will endorse, protect, and promote whatever lifestyle you choose to live. And um, we know when you read the Bible, there's only two genders. God said he made, he made, he made the male, he made female, and, uh, and, and that. So, but you know, the Bible goes contrary to the world's beliefs and ideals. And, and that's, that's, that's true probably in any case. You, you could probably pick any subject at all in the world today and match it up with what the Bible says, and you can almost guarantee that those things are going to be in, they're going to be in contrast. They're going to, they're going to contradict one another in probably every instance. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. 
and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Then he said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible also says that salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name given under heaven except the name of Jesus by which we must be saved. So the Bible is very explicit when it comes to one, to one salvation, to one Lord, to one way. And I believe that this is an obstacle that makes the Bible so difficult to accept, is that it's narrow, it's small, and it's one way. That, that's, what, that's what the Bible is. So see, most people are willing to accept that this is what you and I believe. However, don't tell them it's the only way that they too must believe. In other words, they, they are okay with the fact that that's what you believe. But when, it, when you cross the line and tell them, well, yeah, but this is what I believe, but it's true, and you also must believe that, then that's when you, you run into a little confrontation because they, they don't want to be, they don't want to be narrowed down to just one. Give, give me multiple choices, just like I have in every other area of, of my life. So the Bible gives us stories of those who live their lives with this belief that there's only one, that there was only one way. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament give accounts of, of, um, of the lives of people who live with the words that we said were absent today in our society, with loyalty and consistency and steadfastness and dedication, determination, perseverance, and endurance. That's why I say thank God for the Bible, that God, that God preserved his word for us today in 2021, that we can look at our lives and we can say, you know, this Christian life is tough. This world that I live in doesn't like me. And it's really, it's really a struggle and it's a battle to live this Christian life. God, give me some sense of hope. Give me some sense of encouragement. And I can go to the Bible and I can find men and women that live probably in conditions and circumstances far worse than the ones we are living in today. And they endured. The Bible is filled with that. So aren't you thankful God preserved the Bible? That the Word of God is here for us. And, and, and especially in America, the, the, the print... I mean, we, you can get a Bible in any translation, in any number of, anywhere. It's, it's so available to us, and we should be so thankful that God preserved his word for us, for us to have hope and faith and confidence in, that we too can endure. But Hebrews chapter 11, and most of you know that chapter, if you hear that, that Hebrews 11, many people give it the faith chapter or the, the chapter of the heroes that, that have gone on before us. And obviously when you read Hebrews 11, the New Testament hadn't yet been formed yet, so all of the heroes that, that the writer in Hebrews is mentioned in chapter 11, they're all from the Old Testament. It's all, it's all going back, you know, going back to the Old Testament. And, you know, I've said this a lot as a, as a pastor and as a Christian that, you know, there's some, uh, Christians that believe that the Old Testament is obsolete or it's no longer valid for us as New Testament Christians today, but that's not the case. If you read the Bible, you'll be amazed in the New Testament how many times the New Testament goes back and pulls Scripture from the Old Testament. Jesus quoted the Old Testament when he was in the when 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 he was ministering in the four Gospels. He he quoted from the from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament has has relevance for us today, just as much as the New Testament does. But in Hebrews chapter eleven, the the chapter begins like this. It says, "Now faith is the assurance." Title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, 
Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by, for by this kind of faith, the man of old gained divine approval. So the chapter begins by explaining what faith is. And then these, these men and these women, they, they, they are commended for their faith, for their trust in God. And just, just as the Hebrew writer here gives the explanation and the description and the definition of, of, of faith. Then the chapter goes on to name the faith giants that stood steadfast uh, in the face of enormous adversity. And if you read um, Hebrews chapter 11, it'll go through and it'll name a lot of, a, a lot of men and women that, that, that went before and, and, and these giants of faith. But then right at the very end of the chapter, it, it, it goes on and it says, time will not allow me. And the writer just goes on to mention all the different exploits and the different things that, that the, uh, that, that, that the men did that, that they overcame. But it doesn't mention the names. It, it mentioned the events or describe what it was that they, that they conquered or what they did. And, um, but if you read that part of the chapter and you do a little investigation, you can connect the dots and you can figure out what it was that the writer was describing if you go back to the Old Testament and make the connection of who it was that he was describing. I think that's kind of fun to do to know who it was that he was, that he was writing about. But in 11, in Hebrews 11, 33 and 34, it says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gain what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So who is he talking about when he says shut the mouth of lions? He's talking about Daniel. Dan, we know the story, Daniel and the, Daniel and the lions then. It says quench the fury of the flames. That's also in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, which we're going to look at today. And I titled the message today, Faith in the Fire. The Lord our God is one. This is going to be part one of a two-part message. I'll conclude the message next week. But faith in the fire, quench the fury of the flames is a reference to Daniel chapter 3. Um, these men made the cut in Hebrews chapter 11 because they were willing to suffer and die for their faith in God. These men that are mentioned here, was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you, if you read the Old Testament, you're familiar with, with, with those, with those names. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter three today and next week. We'll look, we'll, we'll look at Daniel chapter three. But, you know, as Christians, we are called to be loyal and faithful to the Lord. Our allegiance is to Him and Him alone. And again, in a world where we are filled with so many choices, where everything seems to be multiple choice, and just basically pick and choose whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to serve. For us to narrow ourselves down and say that I'm only going to serve one God is foreign to many people. And maybe even to us as believers and to us as Christians. But the Bible, the Bible tells us our allegiance is to Christ and to Christ alone. We are His, the Bible says. The, the Bible says we are bought with a price. We, we are no longer ourselves, but we now belong to God. We now belong we now belong to Jesus Christ. He takes first place in every area of my life. It's first place. Jesus said, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said, whoever wants to follow me must first lose his life for my sake. You have to be willing to give up your desires, your, your ambitions, your dreams, your, your goals, all the things that, that you live for, and Jesus has to be first in our lives. So we are given numerous examples in the Bible of those who remain loyal to the Lord and they serve as witnesses that we too can stand as they did in the world we live in. You know, we can't think that the world we live in is more difficult 
than it was in the times of the Bible. If you read the Bible, it was, I believe, much more difficult to stand for Christ, to stand for the Lord, and to really, to really be obedient to what he commanded us to do and how he commanded us to live. But in Daniel chapter 3, if you read the, the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had besieged Jerusalem, the Bible says. Because of Israel's sin, the, the Bible says the Lord had warned Israel time and time and time again that if you continue in your sin, if you, can, if, if you continue to be rebellious and disobedience, I'm going to come against you and I'm going to, and I'm going to remove you from my presence. And that's exactly what, what, what God did. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem because of the sin of Israel, and God delivered him into the hands of, of the Babylonian king. The Jews were exiled to Babylon, and among them was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is mentioned here in chapter 3, and also Daniel was, was, among, was among some of the Jews that were exiled to Babylon after, after uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had, had, had besieged uh, Jerusalem. But the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 2, that the king found favor with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they entered the king's service, as too did Daniel. But the king in, the king in Daniel chapter 3 erected a golden statue that was 90 foot tall, a 90 foot golden image, the Bible says, and the proclamation was given throughout the whole land that no matter who you were, whether you were rich, whether you were poor, it didn't matter. The proclamation was given that when the music was played and these different instruments began to play, the, 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 king, the king gave a declaration and a proclamation that every single person was to bow down and worship the image that he had erected. Didn't matter who you were. That, that was the edict that was given that you would, that you would have bowed down. And the, 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 the command said that whoever did not immediately bow down will be thrown into a fiery furnace. That that was going to be the penalty for your rebellion against bowing down to this statue. So this is where I'm going to pick up Daniel chapter 3 in the story here. And verse 8. It says that, it says that this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
And you know what, what and we're going to read the rest of the story, and the rest of the story is probably the most, the more familiar part of the story. We're going to look at the second half of, of chapter three next week. But you know, what an incredible story of courage and loyalty. And, and most people refer to the story of Matt, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the, with the miraculous deliverance that God had given them from the fiery furnace. And that was a miracle. That, that, that was a, that wasn't a miracle. That was a miracle what God did. But I believe the miracle in the story was that was the consistency that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the king's image, that they would not bow down to this image that God made. That that to me was the miracle, in face of the fury and the and the punishment that was surely going to happen to them. The miracle was that three men were willing to say, "You know what? We're not bowing. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to we're not going to worship that image." So. When we look at this chapter here and the story here, what, what can we learn from their courage as Christians today? Because, because they were Christians that Christ hadn't come yet, the cross hadn't come, but their faith was in God. That's what the Hebrew writer commended them for, that they, that they remained loyal and faithful to God. So what can we as New Testament Christians today glean from or learn from what, what these men did? So the first thing I want to look at is their position in the world didn't affect their devotion to God. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in a foreign land. They were exiled from Jerusalem, the Bible says, into a homeland and, and to a place that was much different from the one they lived in. They, they were living in a land much different than the one they had grew up in. They were not living in Jerusalem anymore. And um, I believe this was a demonstration of their true and sincere loyalty, that though they were living in a foreign land, God had not become foreign to them. Or was they still honor God? They still honored who He was. They were they were devoted to the Lord regardless of their place or home. The same God who was Lord in Jerusalem was also Lord in Babylon. See, it didn't matter where they were, whether they were in Jerusalem or whether they were, whether they were in Babylon. God was still the Lord. He was still the King, and they still honored Him as such. No earthly decree could change their devotion. And when we look at ourselves as Christians. The Bible tells us that we too are living, we too are living in a, in a strange place. The Bible says that we are strangers and aliens. In 1 Peter 2 11, this isn't on the screen. It says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world you live in. So we are, we are living in a foreign land. And for all practical purposes, we are living in Babylon. We are living in an ungodly land. I've said this many, many times as your pastor that as a believer and as a Christian, you are a target, not just for the enemy, but your flesh is against you, the world is against you, the governments of this world, the systems, education, all, all the ways of the world, they are against and they are opposed to you because you stand for God. You stand for Jesus Christ. They are in opposition to us, the Bible says. So we too, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are living in a foreign land. And the Bible says that we are strangers, we are aliens. Why? Because we are living in a place we don't belong. We don't fit here. We, we don't belong here. We, we, are, we have been bought out of the world, the Bible says. God has brought us out. So if you look at the Bible and you, you, you read some of the other men that lived their life in the world they lived in, that was a strange place. We find, we find several examples, and one of them was Joseph. If y'all, y'all know the story in Genesis of Joseph, J- Jacob had 12 sons. The Bible tells us that the brothers had become jealous because Jacob had showed favor, favor to Joseph, so the other brothers had become jealous. And because of their jealousy, they wanted to kill him. 
But instead of killing him, they decided to sell him off into slavery. And as a slave, Joseph was sold, the Bible says, and he ended up as a slave um, in, in, in the house of Potiphar um, in, the, in the land of Egypt, which, which was a foreign land. Yet even in Egypt, Joseph remained faithful to his God. Egypt didn't worship or serve the God that Joseph did. He was living in a, for, in, in a land that didn't honor his God. But Joseph remained faithful to God even in Egypt, the Bible says. And if you read the story when he was tempted by, by Potiphar's wife, and y'all, y'all, y'all know the story, he, he gained favor with Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar gave him control of everything, the Bible says, in his affairs and in his household. And his wife, the Bible says, took notice of Joseph, said he was well-built, he was handsome. And the Bible says that day after day, she kept trying to tempt him and, and tempt him and tried, tried to get him to, to sleep with her, to, to commit adultery, basically. And the Bible says that, that Joseph refused to do that, and he quoted this, he said, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph said that in a foreign land. He wasn't in Jerusalem, he was in Egypt. But he still honored God. See, your place or position does not change who the Lord is. Jesus is not only Lord in this place on Sundays. It's easy to say Jesus is Lord here on Sunday mornings. Jesus, Jesus is Lord at the place you work. I don't care how ungodly the place you might be the only play, only person that's a believer in the place you work. Jesus is Lord in that place for you. He's, he's Lord of there. Jesus is Lord in the home where you live. He's Lord, he's Lord in the home where you live. Maybe, maybe some of you live in a place that's maybe not a godly atmosphere or maybe it's a struggle to really serve God in the, in the, in the place that you live. Jesus is Lord in your home. He's Lord, he's Lord, he's Lord where you live. He is Lord where you shop. He is Lord where you eat. No matter where we are, Jesus is Lord. Our position or our place in the world doesn't change his lordship. He, he is Lord where, wherever we are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served him and, and, and worshiped him as Lord in Jerusalem and in Babylon. God was the Lord. The other thing is your circumstance does not change who the Lord is. He is the God of the mountaintop and the God of the valley. It doesn't matter what we're facing or what we're going through. Jesus is still Lord. My circumstance changes not who he is and changes not my devotion or allegiance to him. My, my, my circumstances can't dictate my allegiance to God. I can't get excited about who God is when things are going great in my life and then when things are not going so good, all of a sudden, you know what? God's not Lord anymore. No, he's still Lord. My circumstances don't change who he is. He, he is still Lord. And another example of this in the Bible is the story, is the story of Job. Y'all know the story of Job? The Bible says Job, Job, Job had everything. The, the, the Bible says he was godly and he was, he, he honored God and, and everything that he did. The Bible says that, that, uh, God allowed Satan to test Job, took everything away from him. The Bible says in everything that Job lost, Job did not curse God. He, he did not curse God in everything that he lost. And, um, and he stated, I believe, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible in Job chapter 1. It said, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshiped and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. See, Joseph understood that whether he had plenty or he had nothing, Jesus was still Lord. God was still the Lord. He was still on the throne. He was, he was still honoring and acknowledging that God was Lord. Same thing needs to be for us. 
Your circumstances doesn't change who God is. Threat of danger does not change who the Lord is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that the consequence and the penalty for their rebellion against the king's edict was death. And not just death, it was suffering, it was torture. That they, that they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But even, even that did not, did not stop them from honoring and acknowledging that Jesus, that God, that God was the Lord. See, no threat can change our devotion or our allegiance to the Lord. And the world we live in now, at least in the United States, and I've said this before, we're not really threatened for our faith, but there could be a time where we could be threatened just to be in this building this morning. This could be a threat just to meet, just to gather, just to say that you've gotten together and you read the Bible. That, that time could be coming, and you cannot allow a threat to prevent you from acknowledging that God is Lord, that He is Lord of your life, regardless of what threat may come your way. Then the next thing that I believe these three men showed us is that Babylon's many gods didn't change the fact that the Lord our God is one. That the Lord our God is one. See, before the king erected this 90-foot golden image, Babylon already had many gods. This 90-foot image that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar erected, that wasn't the only god. There was many, multiple gods that Babylon had. This was just another god that, that the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar erected. So when studying for this passage, I came across an interesting note regarding many gods. And I'm going to share this real quick. It says, those who have forsaken the one only living God and begin to set up many gods will find the God they set up unsatisfying. Those that have many will wish to have more. And I just thought that was so true. You know, in a world we live in, the, the society is denying the Lord. We don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with His, with His Word, with, with, the, with the cross, with the truth of what the Bible says. And isn't it so true what that statement says that the world is not satisfied with no matter what it is they grasp for? No matter what other God they try to cling to, they're never satisfied. And that is so true. If, if you reject the one and only God, then any, any other God you seek is not going to satisfy you. And I think that, it, that that's a lesson to be learned for us as believers. That if, that if we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and we go to try to find satisfaction in something else, we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be satisfied apart from Jesus Christ. But see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not fooled. They were obviously well-versed in the Bible and in the Ten Commandments. They understood what the Scripture says. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, the Bible says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. King Nebuchadnezzar was breaking every one of those commandments. Everything that God had commanded them to do, King Nebuchadnezzar was breaking those and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that that was, that was a direct contradiction of what God had taught them and what God had told them. God, God said, you should have no other gods. You shall make no image. There's no image. This is what the Bible says. You do not bow down or worship them. The, King Nebuchadnezzar had another god. He made an image of gold, the Bible says, and he commanded all the people to bow down and worship the image of gold that he had erected. So many Christians may think that we are unable to identify with this passage today. How can I identify with a scripture that says there's a 90-foot uh, image 
that people will call to worship. We don't have 90-foot golden images in the United States today or in the world. But we, we have images of gold nonetheless. But they, they exist in different forms. And I'm just going to list some of these for you here right now. We have the, we have the image of the God of money. The, the God of money has become a golden statue. And even for Christians, and the Bible even warns us of that, that money can become an obstacle that can trip us up even as believers and can become something that can prevent us from our allegiance to God. The Bible says no one can serve. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, you can't be, there's no division. See, the Bible makes it clear when we come to Christ, we can't have a divided heart. I can't be divided. I can't have, I can't say I'm honoring God plus I have something else. It's Jesus plus nothing. In other words, I honor Him with my heart. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your might, with all, with, with everything that we have, the Bible says. Then we have the God, the God of appetite. And, and, um, and the Bible even talks about this in the New Testament. That, that our appetite has become our God. But not just the physical appetite of, 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 of eating things, but for, for the things of this world. The, the world we live in, their, their appetite is never satisfied. The, the lust of the things of the world is never satisfied. They, they never have enough. Materialism, the, the homes, the, everything they go after, it, it's never enough. Those are gods. Those are golden images. Then we have the God of Molech. That was an Old Testament God that the, that, 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 that was mentioned in the Old Testament, but the God of Molech is prevalent today in, in abortion. It's the same thing. The Bible says that the God of Molech, the, the people were sacrificing their children to this false God. We are sacrificing our children to abortion. It's the, it's, it's the same thing. It's a, it's a God that we have erected. Then we have the God of greed, the God of immorality, the God of pleasure. So yeah, we don't have these 90-foot statues staring in front of us, but we have idols and gods nonetheless. And they, they are all around us. And, and as Christians, we need to be, we need to be careful and sensitive that we're, we're, we're walking and living in a, in a Babylon world that wants to try to grab us and get our devotion. And we have to stand resolute, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we will not bow. We will not, the world may be going that way. Maybe your family, your friends, I am not bowing. I'm standing resolute. I'm standing firm in who I believe in. And, it, and, it's, and it's God and He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. See, the world we live in wants you and I to, bound, wants you and I to bow down to their gods. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood firm in what they believed. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. He is King. He is sovereign. He is just. He is one. There is no other Lord. He, he is Lord. So though the world worships and bows down to many gods, we will remain faithful and true to the one and only true King, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is King. We we, we have we have to we have to adhere to him. We have to see just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to any other God. We have to we have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is King. And then in Daniel chapter three, this is probably one of my most favorite parts of this whole story, this passage here in verse 17. 
They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were declaring is he is Lord, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. See, they, they acknowledged that he was Lord regardless of what he did. In other words, their, their acknowledgement of his of, of, of their lordship to the Lord wasn't based on what God did for them. It was based on who he was. And there's a lesson for us to learn in that as believers and as Christians, that we can't set God up in our life as a, as a, as a conditional relationship where, God, I'm going to worship you, I'm going to trust you, only when things are going good, when, when conditions are right. I'm going to, you know, I honor God regardless of my conditions or my circumstances because he is still Lord. My condition or my circumstance doesn't change who he is. He is still firm in his place. See, God is good, period. You know, some of us say, well, God is good when things are going good. God is good when the bank account's good. God is good when my boss is happy. God is good when the job is going good and, and the kids are acting right and all those things. No, God is good. It, it's who he is. Or was it, you can't change that. Just like the Bible says, God is love. It's, 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 it's in his being. It's in his nature that he, that he is good. It's not, it's not, it's not based on condition. It's unconditional. He is good. Period. God is good to us. Jesus is Lord over all. God is good to us when things are going bad, whether in, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, if we're sick, whether we're feeling good, it doesn't matter. Jesus is still Lord. See, nothing in your life will change who he is. It doesn't matter what, no matter, nothing in this world will change who he is. It doesn't matter who's occupying the White House, what the UN is doing, what, what's happening in the governments and the world around us. God is still firmly seated on his throne. He is still Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus is still king. Salvation is still found in no one else. The ways of the world will never change who Christ is. Those things can never change that. See, I will trust him even when I don't understand what he's doing. See, that's the hard part about Christianity. Sometimes I don't really understand what God is doing. But what does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. See, lean not, I don't understand it. Sometimes a lot of times God's doing things and he's working all these things out and all of a sudden, it's like a puzzle, and you sit back and you you you, you realize what God God was like a master, just putting all the pieces together, and all of a sudden it came out just just beautiful work of art that I had no idea that's what God was doing. It's trusting God that He is Lord, even when we don't understand it, we, even when it doesn't look right, doesn't seem right. God is still firm; He is still in control. I will not bow down to the gods of this world or to those around me. We're not bowing. We're not going to bow down. The, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, notice their response. I love the way they, they responded. You don't see any, there was, there was no agitation, no frustration. There was no, they were so calm and just so assured that they, that they say, oh, king, we don't, we, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. In other words, we've already made our decision. The decision was made before you even said we were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. We will not bow. That needs to be you and I. We're resolute. 
We're not moving. We're, we're not, we're not going to bow down to the ways of the world. In Psalm 100, and as I read this, I'll have Ray, if he can, just come up and begin to play. In Psalm 100, verses 1 to 3, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are, we, we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. The Bible says, Know that the Lord is God. He is Lord. He is sovereign. His lordship is unconditional. Shadrach, Meshach, and they, they stood resolute and firm and they acknowledged that, that, that he is Lord and they were not going to bow. That's what you and I need to do today. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet, please.